Letter.com. Presented by the Paranormal King Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. Welcome to the Paranormal News Insider for the week of May 24th, 2022, and this is episode 516, and this is your host as always, Dr. Brian D. Parsons, and we are live on the Paranormal King radio network at paranormalking.com. We got a lot of weird stuff uh, I'm going to cover a story that uh, I'm going to have to get my soapbox out of the closet and uh, climb up on my soapbox for a little bit on a story later on the show. But uh, we got some good UFO news, and I, it's hard to trump what happened. Can I allowed to say Trump? I guess I, well, it's too late. I already did. I uh, can't really trump what we talked about last week with this first public hearing in uh, over 50 years on UFOs. It's pretty exciting. Although I've really not seen too much come out of that, uh, other than a bunch of stories and people selling cars and advertising space on websites, but um, not a whole lot of big changes uh, so far with that information. But we'll see. I figured there'd be a little bit of fallout and uh, people jumping on the bandwagon, making claims and making statements or uh, maybe shaking some videos. Uh, out of the closet somewhere, somehow. I, I don't know, but uh, it's not happened. We haven't seen anything. So uh, I guess it's just wait and see. Now we're going to just sit back and wait for that next release, that next video. Uh, I do know that there was a private closed-door meeting after that one, but I haven't heard anything about that uh, other than that they had scheduled it. Uh, have they scheduled another one after that? I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. I'm sure there will probably be more of these types of things uh, publicly. Uh, but uh, I don't know. They they just they aired a lot of dirty laundry. Uh, we got a lot more information than I thought we would. And there was a little bit of uh, slap in the face to the uh, people who were kind of uh, taking these videos and looking at them because – uh, pretty much let it be known that the general public is doing a much better job at disseminating these videos than the military investigators are doing. And are probably getting millions of dollars to just sit there and stare at those in a, in a dark room for 15 minutes. But, yeah, we'll see where it leads. Uh, so far, uh, it's been quiet. It's been quiet on the UFO front as far as that's concerned, but things will change uh, on the wing of a UFO in a heartbeat. So we'll keep an eye out on that. So last few weeks, I really haven't talked too much about conferences and conventions. Uh, it's usually a staple of the show. And I really haven't had a whole lot of extra free time to uh, go in and uh, adjust things or add things. I've missed a few that uh, people sent me, and I do apologize for that. Um, uh, being a, a few days or a week short uh, of, of reading that email, uh, forgetting about to put things on the website, I do apologize. It's something that I enjoy doing uh, because I, I do think that these conferences and conventions are 
uh, important to the field about getting information out there to the general public and being able to mix and mingle with people in various fields and uh, learning about what other people are doing and uh, getting to buy books. I miss that, getting out there and buying books. Always a good part. You know, I make money from selling books, but then I turn around and I take that money and I buy other books. Um, speaking of which, I got to start writing. My goodness, it's been forever since I've been, uh, I published anything. I was thinking about that today. I was doing some research for one of my stories and actually was kind of cool. I got to pull my own book out and, and, uh, look through my own research on a topic, which is pretty cool to do, but, uh, realized I wrote that book five years ago. That's my last book. So anyway, um, all that aside, I've, uh, recently finalized an appearance for this year, uh, later this year, uh, in October at the Westerville public library. Uh, that's October 19th. Is that a Monday? I forget. Uh, it's during the week of, uh, the theme is, uh, wizards and wands. That's uh, pretty much a kid's theme. Uh, so I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to draw a correlation between wizards and ghosts. It's going to be a stretch, uh, but I like a challenge. I, I really enjoy creating, um, new presentations each time I go to an event. I don't think I've ever given the same presentation twice. I, I may use the same slides, a lot of the same information, but I always add things, uh, new slides or new information that's geared for that specific audience. I, I think that's, as a presenter, you owe it to your your audience to change things up and, and to have it uh, geared specifically for them. You know, nothing on the presenters that I've seen that uh, do the same thing over and over again. That's that's okay. That's your that's your thing. But for me, I like to change it up. And uh, this year is going to be different. Wizards and wands. So I'm going to do. I think it's wizards, ghosts, and the unknown is my uh, unofficial topics so far. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I do have a few months, so yeah, gotta start thinking about it. But the big thing is, it's going to be my 14th consecutive year at that library which is uh, that's pretty unheard of I don't know too many people that have continued to have that many appearances uh, consecutively it's actually my 15th appearance I did a uh, UFO one in addition to my typical ghost one yeah I gotta get writing though uh, don't have writer's block I just don't have uh, writer's time to get things going I got a few few irons in the fire. I've, I think I'm, I don't want to say I'm done writing nonfiction, but I've started a few fiction topics that I really want to get going uh, soon. But, because uh, I did finish my handbook series, so I feel like, eh, what, am I, what else can I do with that? Uh, but uh, I did have a, a few projects, including one talking about the news, the paranormal news, which is uh, why you're here. Um, but, uh, I lost my computer and I lost, uh, with it, I lost the, uh, all the initial notes and things I had for that book. So it wasn't, uh, it's kind of a letdown, but yeah, I could dig through all my archives and listen to all my shows. I could tolerate my voice and, uh, and, uh, dig all that up. But, 
I don't know. There's just so much information to go through and planned on doing like a 10 year uh, look at the news, but I've been doing this for almost 15 now. So maybe I'll just wait and uh, continue to compile interesting stories. And uh, interestingly, we have no cryptid news tonight. And uh, I don't know. I just uh, didn't find anything really interesting in the cryptid world this week. But we do have some really interesting UFO news. And it's kind of it's first story tonight. It's kind of out of the ordinary for this time of the year, although it shouldn't be. But generally, um, when you're talking about traveling or, um, I don't know, just uh, different hot places to see UFOs, you generally see those in the fall towards the end of the year when things are, the news cycles are slow and uh, it's a slow news day. Um, There's an interesting article in uh, Outlook India that's, that, uh, Talked about, well, the title was UFO Trail, Six Places Every Extraterrestrial Fan Must Visit. And I thought, well, I can think of like three right off the top of my head, and sure enough, those were on there. But there was a few interesting ones that I kind of forgot about or didn't think about. Uh, one was San Clemente, Chile. And that's, that is a hot spot. Uh, there's so many sightings of UFOs in a particular area of San Clemente, Chile, that the uh, Chilean Tourism Board has actually established an official 30-kilometer-long UFO trail. Uh, they did that back in 2008. And if you're in South America, there is uh, literally every news broadcast, They uh, most of them have like a UFO section on the news, on the nightly news. And a lot of them have, you know, you have the sports guy, you've got the meteorologist guy. Uh, some of these newscasts actually have the UFO guy on them, too. Well, I shouldn't say guy. You know, it could be, you know, weather women or sports women, suppose. So they, them, again, I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> big topics down in South America and especially in Chile. Uh, Brazil is a big one, too. Um. They also have, uh, there's a, a lake that has a, a very high mineral content, which seems to, be a, seems to be a theme for some of these stories. High mineral content that purportedly lacks a source, which is, okay, that's weird. I remember uh, touring the Jack Daniels distillery, and they had a, uh, they get their water from this, uh, this water source that uh, they show comes out of a cave and they're like, yeah, we have no idea where this water comes from. Really? How do you not know these things? Like, it's got to be ways we can figure that kind of stuff out. Especially a mineral content. Like, it had to be something. Um, it's got to be aliens. Of course. Uh, there's a huge flat area formed by 200 perfectly cut volcanic blocks. Somebody must have counted them. Of course, it's 200. And while it's believed ancient civilizations built the strange area, of course, why would they waste their time? It's got to be aliens. Uh, the second spot on the list was uh, Wycliffe Well, Australia. This is another place I kind of forgot about. It's actually the UFO capital 
of Australia. Um, and there's so many sightings in this capital of UFO sightings in uh, Wycliffe Well. They actually have a season that you go down there to, uh, to watch the UFOs. And it's May through October. It's also the dry season down there. So, I don't know, maybe they're dried up on tourism, so they just created that to get people down there. I don't know. Australia's a strange and crazy place. Uh, third on the list is Joshua Tree National Park in California. The 300 mines in the area are thought to be alien bases by some people. And they also state that the area sits on the 33rd parallel just like Roswell and a lot of other strange places like Dallas and Fort Worth. Uh, the area is on the 33rd parallel, but actually much closer to uh, 34 degrees north. All you got to do is go on Google. It's not that hard. So it's not exactly on the 33rd parallel. Not that I even know what that would mean. Uh, I don't know how, what that really actually does, but uh, Roswell course is on the list it's fourth on the list and does just sit. uh it's about actually eight miles north that's eight mile drive probably about six and a half miles north of the exactly on the 33rd parallel line of course roswell is known for the roswell incident of a purported ufo crash and subsequent cover-up of aliens discovered it's also home to a, a yearly event uh, they've got a UFO theme at the McDonald's, if you've not been there. Um, they have a Duncan, too, that's got a giant alien holding up a sign. So pretty big culture around uh, aliens in Roswell. Uh, fifth is Guizhou, China, which is uh, home to the 500-meter Aperture Spherical Telescope, which is a mouthful, but just call it fast. You get it? 500, 500 meter aperture spherical telescope. Fast. Uh, the giant radio telescope uh, hopes to hear messages from other alien civilizations. It was one of the first things they did. They powered this thing up and they were listening for, for aliens and probably some music that they're pumping out. Uh, it's now one of the biggest hopes of discovering alien signals. Uh, unfortunately, uh, due to the demise of the Arecibo radio telescope in Puerto Rico, but uh, there's still other pretty big, decent arrays or individual radio telescopes out there. But this uh, fast is just ginormous. Uh, so hopefully uh, one day we might, might be talking about them and a signal that they get that hopefully is not a satellite of ours. Uh, last but certainly not least on the list is, you guessed it, Area 51 in Nevada. How could you forget that one? Uh, conspiracy theorists love to point at this one um, as a secret base is uh, home to purportedly reverse-engineered alien technology and all sorts of other things and uh, alien bodies. And who knows what else is out there. Of course, it's actually where we're testing top-secret spacecraft or jets or other military 
items. And of course, let's not forget, uh, the base was not even officially acknowledged until less than nine years ago. It's, it's pretty recent. Although in the, uh, was it 1994, they had the, um, the lawsuit about the uh, stuff getting dumped there and these uh, couple, couple of workers there died due to uh, toxins that were in the uh, being burned or being buried. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about, about Roswell. We, we don't know what you mean. It's part of that Air Force base over there, over there. Um, so, yeah, everybody got uh, a little more. So I think it actually helped back then that they denied it. But, yeah, they finally came clean thanks to the Freedom of Information Act. Yeah, just nine years ago, not even nine years ago. That's pretty crazy. So a lot of interesting sites that are not on that list. I don't know why they came to six, but I guess, you know, you got to, as long as you get all your advertising space in there, that's okay. Just just close it out. That's good. Um, I mean, you could have talked about uh, Maury Island and Puget Sound, uh, which is in uh, Washington State, home of the Kenneth Arnold sighting, man, thereabouts, as well as the, uh, there's another purported UFO sighting that happened days before where debris was supposedly scattered there, but that that's pretty much a hoax. Uh, we got the uh, Flatwoods monster in Flatwoods, West Virginia. Uh, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, with the, uh, it's a, kind of the uh, uh, Roswell of the East, I guess. Uh, the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base right here in Ohio, three hours away from where I'm sitting. Um, I'm sure dozens more even just here in the United States, let alone elsewhere in the world. And uh, probably plenty out west. A lot more out west, of course. Which is uh, where we're going on our next story. So let's pack our bags and head on over to Colorado. Maybe not the, the biggest place you'd think of for uh, uh, UFOs. But uh, you, you know what else happens out in Colorado? Especially back in the 70s. Probably know where I'm headed here. Uh, animals. Reportedly mutilated by aliens. Uh, it's made uh, pretty famous by cows, of course. Hence cattle mutilation. It's something that we talk about here on the show off and on. People like love that thing, which is really creepy because it's kind of scary. Uh, in the 1970s, uh, even the Federal Bureau of Investigation was looking into the dozens of claims of cattles, uh, cattles, cattle being killed. It's already plural, Brian. It's, you don't have to add an S. Uh, being killed and surgically operated on in the field overnight. Of course, that was uh, speculated. I've read anywhere between um, 500000 to a million dollars, uh, over 8,000 cattle were killed or affected. Uh, over, a, I don't even know, it was a decade. They they made TV shows and movies about this. Tons of books written. Um, kind of in the same time frame as uh, the uh, Bermuda Triangle. So there's a lot of mysteries going on in the 70s. And, of course, we had Leonard Nimoy in search of to, to uh, kind of guide us through all that craziness. Uh, but anyway, yes, cat emulations here in Colorado. Well, I'm not there, but uh, it's over there on the map. It's to my to my left. Well, to my right, because I'm looking south. It's on the left side of the map, if you're looking at a map. Anyway, in the 1970s, yes, the FBI was looking into 
cattle mutilations became a household topic. Uh, but it's interesting to note that the legacy of all of this, the cattle mutilations, it all started with a horse, of course. That horse was uh, originally named Lady, but um, uh, Lady just doesn't sell newspapers. So now known as Snippy, Snippy the horse, don't get snippy with me, uh, created a debate back in 1967 that's uh, still not solved. It's kind of like the Patterson-Gimlin film. So it's, nobody can agree on this thing, despite the evidence. Uh, the claims point in one direction, the evidence points uh, in another. So I don't know. Maybe you'll look at the evidence. And uh, I don't know. Snippy. Quite the uh, interesting topics. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, I did do some research through my book. And it was uh, on this particular topic. Um, Handbook for the Amateur UFO Investigator that I did publish in 2017. So I actually uh, did quite a re- quite a bit of research on Snippy, the Snippy story. Which uh, in this article that I'm basing this uh, story on here, they did a pretty good job. It's actually a local paper um, to uh, this area where this is at. Uh, did a pretty good job. They uh, did interview uh, some authors or a author that published a book that he did some pretty good research on this topic as well. Uh, being local, I actually got to talk to some people that were involved in that, uh, which is quite interesting being that's 55 years old. Uh, but also uh, dug into some other aspects of this that um, I didn't learn anything new, but some information was a little bit different than what I've heard or what I've read. Um, but who knows? It's all pretty much the same. Uh, so you go back to September 7th, 1967. And Lady, well, she uh, failed to show up for one of her daily feedings at the King Ranch in Colorado. Uh, two days later, she was found dead in a field. Um, and this is when everything gets a little bit murky. Now, there's claims that the the owner who has since passed uh, saw the cow a day after that, which doesn't make sense. Uh, and they actually only uh, field examined the uh, the horse two days later, and then people came out a few days later, and the horse was not removed until thirty days later to be thoroughly examined. So there's a lot of holes in these stories. Um, but, uh, Nellie Lewis, who was the, uh, the owner at the time stated that due to a missing heart, a brain and other organs, uh, including a strange smell emanating from the body, uh, the body was, uh, the, the bones were pinkish. The body was drained of blood uh, a lot of other odd things that uh, have come up since the investigation. They didn't mention there was uh, radiation found in the area in the article, but that's what another thing I had read. Um, so, of course, they went to the conclusion that uh, the horse didn't die of natural causes, that it had to be dim aliens that came down and, uh, and mutilated their poor, poor horse. Uh, NICAP, who was the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, came out they investigated they also agreed of course why would they not 
the three-year-old Appaloosa mare became the center of controversy and made its way into books. I don't know if there was a movie made on the horse or not, but uh, even the Condon report stated there was no evidence to support that the horse died of anything but natural causes. Uh, Dr. Wallace Leary, a local veterinarian, had possession of the horse, uh, like I said, about 30 days later. So he was in investigating this horse. They did an autopsy, or I guess not necropsy, on the horse and eventually uh, boiled the bones. And that's when he found bullet holes in the bones. Uh, so he postulated that the horse, uh, who knows who shot it, could have been kids, anybody. Uh, shot the horse and these 22 caliber slugs hit the horse and uh, spooked it. And so maybe the horse ran into a barbed wire fence, thereby slicing it, which led to its uh, eventual death. Uh, others have pointed toward a, an infected leg as the cause of death. And, you know, if you want to get grim and gruesome on this, um, you know, if you do look, uh, uh, Snippy the horse, you're going to see a lot of photographs of the uh, deceased horse. Uh, but uh, there's a lot of like really grim stuff about this. And uh, when you talk about a normal large animal like this, when it um, collapses to the ground, the blood is going to it's going to evaporate. It's going to soak into the ground. You're not going to see puddles of blood. And if the injuries are in the the uh, lower extremities of said creature um the blood will all drain from the body it's not just going to sit and pool uh, so you know they claim that there was no blood left of course there's no blood left it's it's liquid that's going to evaporate it's going to dry up even in two days time out in colorado i'm sure in september it's probably pretty warm out that time of the year uh, i could go back and look at the weather I suppose for that day it's probably documented somewhere um yeah within days that blood's going to draw, uh, draw, pretty much dry up, dry away, or soak into the soil. Like I said, uh, the body will also be consumed from the inside out by predators, great and small, so flies, um, and you know the predecessor to flies, and they lay their eggs, and other large creatures, coyotes, will come in there and they'll feed on the organs, and they'll slice their way in, and when, when bodies like this. Large bodies uh, do have punctures or even tears by creatures. Uh, over time, the body will swell as gases tend to escape, and it will tear the skin. And when these tears happen, they do look like they were created by surgical instruments. It's going to be a straight tear. That's just how nature is. Uh, but you'd think that uh, farmers will be used to seeing this kind of stuff. But of course... You know, this kind of preceded the era of all these cattle mutilations. So you, you kind of wonder, you know, what really drew their conclusion to that and uh, why it was so uh, pretty much cut and dry. They, they really felt that this was the cause. Now, Dr. Leary uh, kept the horse skeleton in his office, uh, I don't know how long, for some time. Uh, but now, Snippy or lady, whatever you want to call her, feel free. She's not going to, she's not going to kick you or anything. Uh, Judy Messaline created the UFO watchtower 
Anybody ever been there? UFO Watchtower? Uh, it's in an area north of Hooper, Colorado, along uh, Colorado State Route 17. Uh, that was built back in, uh, not the road, but the uh, UFO Watchtower back in the year 2000. Uh, the property had long been used by UFO observers to view the San Luis Valley. And with the UFO Watchtower came an observation platform and a campground. So now Snippy will join the UFO Watchtower and be placed into a special building. And according to the article, when asked about how much Snippy cost, um, Messaline declined to state how much she actually paid for the horse bones, but uh, purportedly an eBay listing uh, was found showing the bones recently going for $50,000. It's a lot for horse bones. But uh, uh, probably came with the uh, stand to hold it up on. But uh, she did state that she's going to have to raise the $2 entry fee. Probably due to the acquisition. Kind of weird, too, to listen uh, to the um, uh, the interview. She says, look, there's a hole here with the, where the brain would have been. And that's where the aliens pulled the brain out of the head. And she was pretty matter-of-fact about it, but I don't think that's how it happened. Um, yeah, there was a lot of work done on that horse by uh, a bunch of people, not just Leary. I think there was other people involved. Um, so I don't think that that was, uh, them aliens making holes in that horse. Um, I got a weird story here. I wasn't gonna, I'm gonna talk about this one. This, this one. I don't even know where to start with the story. I mean, you think you think uh, Snippy is a strange story. Well, this one, this uh, next story takes the cake. And this show here that the uh, the sh- this um, story comes from it's called This Morning, and it's in the United Kingdom, and it's it's been the source of quite a few different strange stories over the years strange characters uh, this is where we got the uh, the woman who uh wanted to get uh, have a baby from a ghost and the one who wanted to marry uh the ghost of a pirate so now we have uh, a woman who has a uh, an alien boyfriend and said alien boyfriend is from somewhere in the Andromeda Galaxy. She doesn't want to say exactly where in the Andromeda Galaxy because she's worried about the FBI. Uh, she says that more than once in her nine, almost ten minute interview on this morning. Uh, they're always such good hosts to um, <laughs> the uh, Holly and uh, Philip. The, the way they interview, they this lady is obviously, she needs some psychological help, but they just kind of go along with it. Like, yeah, really? Well, that's cool. Well, how... How do you do this? And how do you do that? And um, if you want some raw entertainment, look this up. Um, it is just uh, incredible. So this this woman, she changed her name. Her middle name was Emanuela, and now she goes by Emanuela Rose. She named her alien boyfriend Emmanuel because it's the male version of her name profound um 
Yeah, you'll like her. You'll love this interview. It's fantastic. Uh, so Emmanuel, which is really crazy because uh, I do have – hopefully this works. I'm going to sh- show you some pictures. I'll show you a picture of Emmanuel, and uh, I've got a connection. I, I can vouch for her on this story. I do have a connection to Emmanuel. So apparently she met uh, – she was doing uh, – she's an actress. She says she's an actor, but she's really an actress. Um, she was on Instagram and posted about uh, dating men. She's frustrated, apparently, uh, hence why she's dating an alien. And she says that um, the uh, she's given up on dating men, and she'd rather be abducted by aliens than date another man. That's how far she's going with this. Uh, so apparently, a few days later, this greenish-yellowish light appeared. And she was abducted into the spaceship with five aliens. And she's hanging around. And that's when she saw and fell in love with Emmanuel. And uh, now they're happy. They go to uh, dates. Of course, he doesn't understand what a date is. He doesn't know who the Kardashians are. doesn't get it. How could you not get the Kardashians? It's not that complicated. The aliens can uh, fly a spaceship From the Andromeda Galaxy, uh, 2.5 million light years away. And they can just fly here, uh, but they can't understand the Kardashians. Wow. Um, yes, I'm sure. Well, speaking of her being probed, uh, she does claim that um, uh, being with aliens, she. she literally says, let me find the quote here so I don't misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. I don't want to misquote it. Um, and if you see, so you see the picture of her. She's with this uh, green blow-up plastic toy. And that is the symbolic representation of Emmanuel. That's not really Emmanuel. That's just uh, something that she can hold and squeeze and love because, you know, Emmanuel's invisible. You can't see him. He's just floating around. Uh, he does take various forms. Only she can see. Nobody else can see. So when they go to the movies, he has to change to invisible. So she's sitting in a seat holding this uh, balloon thing, talking to an empty seat. No wonder she can't find a date. Um, so, yeah, she says, she says, quote, once you go alien, you forget about Earthmen. Uh, if there's any ladies listening or men or anyone in between who's interested in dating men and you're tired of men, I recommend the aliens, unquote. And uh, when Holly asks, well, well, why is it better? She says that, uh, says numerous times about aliens being pure love and light. Uh, so she says, quote, aliens are pure energy, so we can't even go all the way that he can go because it would kill me. And compared to men, uh, Earthmen, that is, it's uh, it's times a million. Unquote. So how, how does she know Emmanuel's a man anyway? What makes him a man? It's going to open a debate here. Um, uh, but her big thing is that uh, she wants to get married. She wants to get married to Emmanuel. And uh, she said that he did try to propose and she wanted uh, – she's traditional, so she wants a ring, but he doesn't know what that is. So 
She said a big rock. So he brought her some pebbles from the beach, apparently, is what she said. <sighs> Speaking of pebbles, um, I'm not sure where her mind is at this point, but uh, weird thing in chat. So if, if you're looking in chat and you see the picture of this um, Emanuela and her little green friend there, which, again, I can vouch uh, because back in... Oh, man, I forget what year this was. This is uh, a few years ago. I took a picture uh, at the Kecksburg UFO Festival. And uh, you're not going to believe this. It's the actual picture of me at the Kecksburg UFO Festival. And behind me, my God, there he is. He was there. Emmanuel was there. Of course, I, I actually, it's funny that um, she named him Emmanuel. I actually named mine Eugene. And he sat next to me during uh, my presentation. He sat at me at my, next to me at my table at the Kecksburg Volunteer Fire Department building. Weird. Might be the same dude. The same alien. I didn't get beamed up. They didn't, they didn't do anything to me, as far as I know, that I can remember. So hopefully the FBI doesn't come and visit me either. I don't need that kind of stuff. Uh, but just a weird story. I don't, I don't know where they... And I feel bad. I, I do. It's entertaining and I want to laugh. But it, it's scary that people really honestly believe this stuff. And just... It's funny because when she's talking about Emmanuel and her relationship, she kind of stutters around and doesn't really form a coherent sentence about when suddenly she's talking about her Instagram and being on Tinder and getting dates on Tinder. She just rattles things off like nothing. So to me, it, uh, yeah, I was way younger in that picture. That was like 10 years ago. I was like five, six. Yikes. Way younger. Fuller, thicker hair too. Anyway. Um, yeah, that was Eugene with me and I guess Emmanuel was uh, with this uh, Emanuela. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, I guess that's what uh, people believe, and that's fine if you want to believe that. But uh, going on talk shows, claiming. I mean, how is she going to claim that on her taxes and stuff? Is she going to get a deduction when she marries the alien? I don't know how that works. Is she going to be able to buy a house? Well, apparently, uh, she does say this. She says uh, they're hoping to get married and uh, she doesn't, well, obviously doesn't understand how this works. So she says, quote, he has no earth money. So I'm hoping over time we can save up the money, unquote. Well, I mean, as the hosts uh, in the article, they, they, or the uh, video, there's a YouTube video. Uh, they do say, well, he's pretty selfish. You know, if he's got, you know, he can travel all this way. He's probably, they probably got technology. They could, you know, free energy or, or, um, Show us how to get rid of fossil fuels. All, all these things. He's being selfish. Like, shh, give us something. Give us something to work with. Help us out. Yeah, they could do that. And buy a house with it. If he's really that good. And if he's invisible and she doesn't know where he's at. Now, my question, too, is how does she know that he's faithful? If he doesn't understand the concept of marriage. Maybe he doesn't understand the concept of uh, being with one earth woman. 
or person for that matter. Who knows? We don't know how these aliens operate. Anyway, before we go too far down that road, I will switch gears here for a second. So <clears throat> a couple of questions I missed in chat. Franklin Castle in Cleveland. Um, last time I heard there were uh, people investigating there. They keep That thing keeps coming to going. Uh, they were supposed to film something there on uh, national TV. Uh, they did have something on I forget what network it was that uh, was filmed not too recently, but uh, it's it's um, still kind of up in the air. It's still owned by a production company, but um, every time it seems like every time something happens, they uh, it folds. Now it was on was that Paranormal Lockdown, I believe, a, a while ago, a couple of years ago. It was also on. Uh, Ghost Adventures. And it was on the Holter Files as well. I remember Holter Files. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. I, I still open. They're still trying to... Uh, had a lot of damage in the house. There was a fire many years ago that they're still trying to fix things up. People are breaking and entering there all the time. See occasional YouTube video of this uh, this building... It's pretty cool. Like you can drive. Uh, you want to go there during the day. I know it's something you think you want to go see it at night, but it's not in the best of neighborhoods. Uh, I've been there. I can literally drive down the street. It's like right at the end of the street. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like crammed. Crammed in. It doesn't obviously doesn't belong when you see this building. It just looks creepy. Um, also known as the Hans Tiedemann House. Um, built in, uh, I don't remember when it was built, but it's on uh, Franklin Boulevard in Ohio City. Uh, been by there twice. Uh, 1881 was built in. Just hit me. So, lots of history. It's uh, changed hands. Some of the ownership of that has created a lot more lore than the actual building itself. But as far as I know, um, you know, they've put it out to a couple of these networks, a couple of these TV shows. I'm sure with COVID, things are running behind, but I'm sure you're going to see Franklin Castle again. Again. Um, Bigelow's $1 million prize. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, They split that uh, 30 ways. The uh, psychic thing or the uh, ghost thing. Talked about that a while ago. Um yeah, Bigelow's got money. Man, you could fund my stuff. Fund me to uh, travel the world and I'll chronicle all sorts of paranormal things. UFOs, ghosts, cryptids. I'll do a TV show, whatever you want, Bigelow. Just write me a check and I'll, uh, I'll travel the world and document all sorts of paranormal things everywhere. I'll go to Loch Ness for a week. Good grief. Give me the money. Bring me the check. Let's go. Love to. Anyway, Bigelow's got that money. I wish I had that disposable income. We just throw it around. Oh, speaking of disposable income and throwing it around, uh, let's go to the ghost field. 
you might be wondering where I'm going with this. Um, the ghost field has been pretty low key. Haven't had really anything great to, to talk about here pretty much in months other than something depressing about somebody burning a building down or uh, drunk investigators, you know, doing something silly, getting arrested. It's the typical stuff. Um, I did a recent, uh, I did read a recent story. You know, it was published by the Travel Channel. I think that's how you say it. Or maybe it's the Tribble Channel. They got rid of the A and the E, I guess, in that. Um, they can buy a vowel. Yeah, the Tribble, Tribble Channel, Travel Channel, um, kind of got under my skin. And I kind of ignored it after I read it uh, because of the headline. I had to read it. I decided, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about that because I'm just going to sit on the stove box and complain about paranormal TV shows for 20 minutes and people will tune me out. But uh, after a couple of days, I, I thought I would include it on the show anyway uh, because I really haven't talked about much about the, the whole Zach Bagans thing going on. Uh, so in case you weren't aware earlier this year, Zach Bagans inked a three-year deal with Discovery Plus. I don't understand this whole Plus thing. Everybody's got Plus, Walmart Plus, Discovery Plus, um, Peacock Plus, CNN Plus. Well, I think, isn't that one gone? I think. Why are they doing a Plus sign? It should be a dollar sign. My opinion. Anyway, yes, uh, three-year deal. Don't know the monetary value of this, but he's going to create, star in, and produce over 100 hours of new content with uh, various shows and specials. That's just going to lure in so many people. Uh, just aired, Zach and the uh, his crew, well, the Ghost Adventure team, I guess the people that follow him, his uh, followers are the crew. I, I, get, I don't know how all that works. I, I don't have one of those fancy stickers or uh, things on my website. I'm, I'm not a uh, crew member, apparently. Uh, the Ghost Adventure team, they just launched a uh, eight-part series on Discovery Plus on the, what was it, the 19th? I think they showed two episodes. Uh, it's known as Ghost Adventures House Calls. Haven't they been doing that the entire time? Uh, anyway, the first episode is called Crisis in Long Beach. And that uh, was the first episode. So it, it was uh, first up on May 19th. And the concept of the show, uh, it's pretty much like the other 300 plus ghost investigator shows. Yeah, you ever get time, you, you go to, uh, I don't know if Wikipedia, I think they finally took that link down but uh, they used to have a, a list of ghost shows holy smokes it takes you like an hour to read them all it really does it's so long if you don't even use your phone because your your thumb you'll need carpal tunnel surgery around your thumb there's so many shows um yeah he um yikes it's it's the same stuff it's the same as the other 300 shows. Um, but this one is weird, the way they kind of set it up. Well, they're pretty quick about it. They cut through all the uh, 
usually it's like 10 minutes of drama and crazy music and people acting and getting you all drawn into the sad, sappy story of the client, scaring you and getting you all worked up, and then cut to commercial. Uh, but this one, they got into it pretty fast. And apparently this was, um, I don't know when they filmed this, but you know they're all wearing masks and they're communicating via Zoom. It's kind of outdated stuff now. They need to kind of get with the times. Um, but they made it kind of look, try to try to make it look cool. Like, hey, we're, man, we're going to meet up on Zoom. And then we're going to go, I'm going to send you guys out. So Zach is actually remote. At least for this first episode. I didn't watch the second one. But, um, yeah, he's remotely supervising Try to follow this. This is confusing. And it was kind of the uh, weird part of the show. And apparently, apparently Zach Baggins is now afraid to fly. Uh, apparently something happened on a flight. The plane was struck by lightning or something like that. I don't know. There was a baseball player that might have been on that same flight. Uh, so he's afraid to fly. Or drive too far from his home. Somebody said uh, he'll only drive like 10 hours from his house. Of course, th this is all uh, validated, um, you know, researched because it came from internet experts. Of course, they know everything, uh, especially YouTube comments. It has to be 100%. But apparently, yeah, he's afraid to fly. I think it has more probably to do with COVID anything. I just want to leave his... Um, model girlfriends or his uh, his museum there in Vegas. But uh, it's not that far of a drive to Cali from Vegas. People do it all, all the time, every day. Uh, so anyway, back to the article I read on this. The uh, title of the article was uh, Zach Bagans advises a couple to move out after the Ghost Adventures crew makes a haunted house call. Well, I guess it was Zach Bagans advises a couple to move after the Ghost Avengers crew makes a haunted house call. Quite the uh, title there. So apparently, after a group of investigators went to a home with newlyweds and a baby, they told them to move. <sighs> That's pretty much wrong on a lot of levels. But I didn't want to judge. I didn't want to get on my soapbox. I didn't want to just uh, complain about it and complain about how Paranormal TV has gone too far and it's horrible. And there should be accountability. Blah, blah, blah. So I wanted to watch the episode. So I, I found it. It's not that hard. I have my sources. Uh, so I was able to uh, get a hold of this episode, watch the episode, 40 some odd minutes. And uh, impressively, I did not destroy my computer. I didn't punch it. I didn't throw it. Uh, through the uh, window or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty frustrating. So in the beginning, Zach Baggins explains how dire the situation was. And a uh, short video by the homeowner, uh, Matt, and uh, his wife, newlywed, Christina. So they got married in September. So apparently this was shot probably in, yeah, well, it was a few months after that. So, yeah. Well, we don't even know the year. So if it was 2021, then 
probably filmed earlier this year. Seems kind of quick. Um, so they don't say much that isn't honestly out of, out of the ordinary for a residential investigation. I did a residential investigations um, for off and on for 15 years uh, running my group, the Ohio Paranormal Investigation Network. I've worked with a number of other groups uh, throughout Ohio and other states, Texas, Oklahoma, um, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, not just ghost ghost hunts, but actual residential investigations. Uh, been doing that a long time. I've written uh, numerous books on that topic. I've networked with a lot of uh, real scientists, real parapsychologists, uh, real people involved at higher levels of this stuff than just myself. Uh, so I have a pretty good idea how all this stuff works. And I was a little bit confused as to why they were saying that this was such a dire situation, but really and truly it all sounded pretty, uh, you know, there's no normal or typical when you're talking investigations. Every investigation has its own unique set of circumstances, but all in all, when you stand back, you, you see very big similarities from case to case. Uh, but on arrival, the homeowner is quick to point out that his grandparents had owned the home since uh, the 1950s and both had died in the home. Um, Matt had lived there for 12 years and claims to have had experiences since he was a child. All right, so we knew that. That was a big one. We figured they'd revisit, which they did. Uh, on a good note, at least initially, uh, I was surprised. They, they claimed, they said, uh, hey, let's go get some tools out of the car. One of their nine trucks or however many they had in their little caravan, which they, uh, I, they showed an airplane going from Vegas to uh, Long Beach, but I'm pretty sure they just drove there in their little caravan. Uh, but anyway, they went and got tools and i was like oh boy here we go uh but i was su pretty surprised to see it was just a tri-field meter which is a very basic very typical emf detector tri-axis which is great um but then i got a little frustrated because they they made no effort to locate they they found a strange spike uh, in the middle uh, i don't know if it was the kitchen or what room it was in uh, but they made no effort to try to figure out where it's coming from. that's your first thing you do just because you get a spike doesn't mean it's a ghost and that was the, pretty much the problem with this entire episode pretty much the entire saga of ghost adventures even ghost hunters at least the ghost hunters take a little bit of effort can't stand that show either but at least they take a little bit of effort to try to find a source although they always say it's a ghost anyway so it doesn't matter um but locating the source is very important uh, I think it came for the filming equipment. They had giant cameras, sound effect. Uh, there was a couple of shadows of boom mics in there. Kind of gave it away. They're, they claim they don't use those. They use pit-on microphones, but nah. I saw it. I'm not I'm not blind. Um, or it could have been from another part of the home. I don't know if the home had a basement or not. Uh, the clients begin speaking to the ghost as if they are investigators, which is concerning to me as an investigator. Uh, both are completely sold on the idea of dark energy and possession right from the get-go. Uh, and the Ghost Adventures dudes uh, give into that right away as well. And they feed into them 
which is another no-no. Never confirm anything with the client up front because then there's no changing it. Even if you do find something logical, they're going to say, hey, wait a minute. You said in the beginning that this was demons. Now you're saying that it's uh, bad wiring? I don't get it. Um, yeah, but the idea of dark energy possession, it didn't seem like anybody in that room had any understanding of how any of that works other than reading things on the internet. Uh, another weird thing they talked about is a story where Matt's grandparents uh, discovered a bomb shelter in their backyard. Now, for Southern California, that's not very strange at all. Matter of fact, in World War II, all along the coast was nothing but bomb shelters. And uh, 1940s, you had uh, mandatory blackouts. Cars had to drive around with their lights off. Uh, you had to turn your porch lights off. Uh, you had to make sure your curtains were drawn, all this stuff. It was just part of everyday culture out there, and they did have uh, lots of bomb shelters. Uh, people with money did have their own personal bomb shelters. It wasn't something that everybody had. Uh, but apparently they didn't know where it was at. They think it's there somewhere. Uh, there was no validation of that. There was just kind of a story that they threw in there. And the thing that really threw me off is that they said after they found it, their grandparents began to see a soldier and it haunted the back, uh, the back uh, yard out there. Well, it makes no sense. It wasn't like what soldier would be back there in a bomb shelter. Uh, they were there for safety. Uh, they wouldn't have housed soldiers. People wouldn't have uh, fought out of them or anything like that. There was no war that took place. Uh, California was bombed by the Japanese, but uh, remote bombs that were flown over in helium balloons, along with uh, 13 other states, Look it up. It's real. Michigan found a bomb from Japan in Michigan, Kansas, I think North Dakota, Oregon. Anyway, I was really thrown off by that. Um, you know, I've studied World War II stuff with uh, UFOs, the invasion of Los Angeles, things like that. So that war era, fairly familiar with me. Uh, with the bomb shelters, but you're not going to have a soldier. It doesn't make any sense. Anyway, uh, that aside, uh, over and over, the, the topic is uh, attachment to Matt. They all say the same thing. Christina is very matter-of-factish, and she's very convinced of everything, everything evil, and it's everything's Matt's fault. So the first thing they do, the uh, Ghost Adventures investigators, they say, well, uh, you're going to have to leave. Have to go in the backyard, which, you know, then they talked about the backyard thing. And then eventually they just made everybody leave. Never saw the baby in this. We knew they got married. They had a baby. There's a picture of them, but we never saw the baby. But remember, there's a baby in the house at one point. Uh, so then they do their typical lockdown routine, which doesn't really mean anything. just means they're in the house by themselves. Uh, further separating the connection to the home. So the people who live there are the reason why things are happening, not these demons in the walls or wherever. There is a connection, but you just made the connection leave. They probably bought him a hotel room. Uh, this is when voiceover Zach, who was uh, telling the story, you know, after he edits everything together, adds in all the sound effects, uh, became what I call Zoom Zach. So he began giving instructions to his crew uh, remotely, do like Zoom. 
Uh, he also stated that he had been having uh, a great day up until that point, uh, but was suddenly mad after patching into the crew. And I uh, didn't know why and uh, made it this made this dramatic speech about uh, the connection uh, with the uh, TV show here, saying it's creating an electromagnetic roadway. And that just because he's not there doesn't mean he can't get affected by the energy in the home. Well, I guess that's kind of how I felt during my Zoom call today for work. Uh, but wouldn't that also mean that people watching at home would be affected by this electromagnetic roadway? I don't know. Uh, Zach Ben says a prayer which he hopes to anger the entity. That's something that we learned long time ago. Uh, don't make things mad in the house because when you pack up your stuff and leave, the people that live there are still going to have to deal with it. Uh, and a great way to start, you know, investigation in a house that has a newborn baby in it. The rest of the investigation, nothing more than a series of subjective experiences that uh, tie their technology to their perceived notions about what was happening that they take as uh, pure evidence. And one thing that really jumped out to me later in the episode, they do a cleaning ritual, a cleansing ritual. And uh, Lauren, who's uh, she's filming the episode purportedly, but people are filming her, which is, doesn't make sense. Uh, she states out loud, uh, do not come home with me, and that she felt much better after saying this. And then Billy states, uh, it's weird, but it makes you feel better when you say that. So why are they not saying that to the couple? Why are they not giving them instruction? Well, that's the big thing missing here. Uh, at the end there, they scared the couple with their opinions of their personal experiences, and they show all their, they call it evidence, but it's really data. It's not evidence of anything. It's just their personal perspective on the events. Uh, then they point out a voice through a device where Christina says that that's Matt's voice. And she says that it scared the crap out of her. Why would you do that to the client? Um, and after all that speculation, Zach's advice is uh, get out of the house. Find another house. That's what he says. And, you know, a lot of people think these shows are fake. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Uh, Matt uh, does own property in Long Beach. Uh, it's extremely easy to verify online. I have his phone number if you want to call him. Uh, the value of his home is $686,000. Not something you can just walk away from, especially it's in his family. And obviously this problem is uh, tied to him, so they say, but I don't think that's true. Uh, honestly, I think that the problem is actually Christina, not Matt. That's just my opinion. But based on what I'm seeing in the show, uh, she's the one having a hard time adjusting to the home. She admitted that. Uh, her life has changed. Uh, her marriage, she's not sure about stuff. I, I don't know. This this whole thing just uh, shook me wrong. And the way they approach things, confirming the client. They're not empowering the client at all. They're just scaring, scaring him to death. And stop blaming the demons. The, while there's a possibility of ghosts, I think most of what's happening in that home could be solved by a couple's counselor and that's probably the last episode of those that i'll be watching unless something other controversial happens and maybe i'll tune in again hopefully i don't have to but uh, we'll see what happens with zach and his remote house should be called remote house calls really and truly i think but anyway uh, i will see you next week but for now keep your eyes in the skies your ears in the woods the hair standing on the back of your neck and always keep your mind Slightly ajar. And above all else, 
Don't Stop Believing. For the Paranormal News Insider, this is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.